This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie lovers, welcome back for another Anatomy of Movie here at the Popcorn Talk Network. We're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to do absolutely nothing, and it will lead to the very best of something. If there ever was a time to applause, it would be now. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you couldn't tell by the intro, we're doing Christopher Robin, the Walt Disney movie with Winnie the Pooh, of course. It is not Goodbye, Christopher Robin, which we actually also did cover. So if you want that, check that out. This is Christopher Robin, the fictitious movie about Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh. My name is Phil Sweetek. I am joined alongside, as always, as typically, uh, the wonderful <laughs> Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. The boisterous Dimitri Panos. Hey, hey, movie fans. And to the panel. How's everybody doing? All right. All right. Doing well, indeed. And welcome oh, to you, man. the fans, the <laughs> listeners, the viewers. You are beautiful. If you've joined us for the very first time, well, welcome to the show. A couple of things to note. Number one, we are spoiler-filled. We, we assume you've seen the movie. We're going to talk about it from that perspective. So if you haven't seen the movie, then you've been warned. Or more importantly, we encourage you to go see the movie first. Second, as you follow along with us, there is an option to click our rundown in the description box. And you will get all of our notes and be able to truly follow along. And there's a couple of tidbits that, you know, sometimes we don't always get to everything. We, we try to expand upon it. Speaking of that, we're not a movie review show. We talk about the storylines and the plots and things like that and go in depth. Yes, of course. But we also go beyond that, especially with a movie like this, the animation, the storytelling, the, the editing and so forth. And then, of course, the box office numbers and the reception. All that jam-packed into this one little tiny show of ours. Anywho... Any poo. <laughs> Overall impressions for this movie, Marissa. Uh, I was really excited to see this. I mean, it's Disney, so I'm excited for every Disney film. But I'm a general fan of Winnie the Pooh. I grew up with Winnie the Pooh, as I'm sure all of us here at the panel did, and all of you guys who are listening. Um, so I was really excited to see this. I'm a big fan of Ewan McGregor. He's fantastic. Um, I love the, the cast. Matt Jen Cummings, he's been here to the studio, so I, I felt like I really knew the people watching this and it was really fun it was cute it was simple and sometimes simple movies are the best and i really enjoyed it how straightforward it was awesome and dimitri what about you yeah i i I enjoyed the movie i think it's the movie that we all as moviegoers as movie lovers this time of year uh it, it was the take a breather movie uh it's put in here amongst We've been talking a lot of action movies, a lot of explosions, a lot of stunts, big set pieces. This is not that movie. Uh, It is very disarmingly charming. It has heart. It is simple. Uh, As I thought about it more and more, it's actually beat for beat. It's hook uh, when you you think about it. Um, But it was really nice to see the Winnie the Pooh characters fully realized... Uh, and that they haven't changed, that the Pooisms haven't changed at all. And I think it's through that that we realize, not just through Christopher Robin, but let's slow down a little, because this movie goes at a, at a pretty decent pace. I found that once we get our Pooh characters together, as in the movie really soared, uh, and, you know, its message is just, as you said, it's very simple. And it, at that, that is where it, its heart lies. And I really enjoyed the performances, uh, both from voice acting and the talent. It's, it's a really good movie. I couldn't agree more. And any negative criticism I've seen of the movie is that it is too simple. Um, which, in, in their context, simple means stupid. To that I say, bah humbug, you are stupid. <laughs> Uh, not, not you at home, not you watching this, of course. You are smart. 
But the critic that says this is overly simplistic, therefore stupid, I, I think you just don't understand it. Um, I think too many things we overcomplicate and convolute unnecessarily. And I would encourage you to read The Tao of Pooh, which is a philosophy behind truly Winnie the Pooh. And it's actually a very fast, easy read. can be done in less than 45 minutes. And you get a lot of amazing takeaways. And, and I, I love... Pooh really is the Zen master in all of this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we only need a reminder and, of that. And those reviewers, I, they're just silly old bears. You know, I, mean, I wish they were silly old bears, <laughs> but they're, they're Eeyores. <laughs> you know? Anyway, uh, let's give a little context to this movie before we dive into the plot. Um, it is a Disney picture, as we said. Um, it They want to make a live action adaptation of it um, in time for the 30th anniversary of the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh and the 35th anniversary of both uh, Welcome to the Pooh Corner and Winnie the Pooh and a Day for Eeyore. So a lot of kind of anniversaries converging all at once. Um, Although it took some time to get here as far as the movie. Um, Marissa, you want to give us further context as far as the writing and all that? So it's really cool how it all just, you know, came to be as we hear in the industry. We always find, like, timing really works with people's schedule and all that. So really it started off with the director, Mark Forster. He was on a plane with his six-year-old daughter at the time. The daughter was like, why can't, uh, can you make a movie of Winning the Pooh like this, a a movie for children? Because Mark Forster, his past repertoire are all films that are only for adults. They're not for the kids. And so his daughter actually was like, can you make a movie for kids? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And then uh, even Alex Ross Perry, who was the writer, he was looking for uh, projects and something something simple. Like, he, he did, you know, pass little films and stuff that no one, like, really knows. But uh, his agent actually was in contact with Mark Forrester, and things just kind of came together, and they met up, and it was just, like, good timing. Then Mark Forrester wanted to make a, a children a movie for children, and Alex Perry just wanted a full-length feature script, and it just happened to work out. Serendipitous. Yeah. Very serendipitous. Anything to add, Dimitri, to that? No, no I mean, Mark Forster's, like, his, his filmography is, is when you think about it, he's done so many things. And uh, I remember working uh, with, with, with um, Monster's Ball, which was huge mm-hmm. uh, because Halle Berry won the Academy Award. Uh, and then going off, I mean, when you look at what this guy does... He's done movies like World War Z. Uh, he had, if I'm correct, uh, well, he did Quantum of Solace, which mm-hmm. was the second Daniel Craig James Bond movie. I mean, this guy has done a lot of different genre-type films. So seeing him in, uh, do do and take on Winnie the Pooh, uh, I felt that, again, using his talents in all of those to make a movie for families... Right? I think he hits all the beats perfectly. Yeah. And I think the yeah. two movies that, for me, are, are most similar, like most qualify him to make this movie, is Finding Neverland and right. Stranger Than Fiction. Mm-hmm. To me, those are whimsical, funny. With Finding Neverland, it's that's more of a biopic, for lack of a better term, sure. even though this is a fiction which then, I guess, aptly <laughs> titled Stranger Than Fiction fits <laughs> in perfectly to that. <laughs> Um, So those for me, and and, and by the way, he's also done Kite Runner, so he's used to adaptations, if you will. Sure. Mm -hmm. In that sense. But he has a good feel. He has a good feel for the beats and the emotional beats that need be done. And the movie, you know, through his lens looked really, it looked really good. It was nice to see a live version of, uh, what is it, 1,000 acre or 100 acre woods, woods, you know? It it was nice to see it fully realized. It did a really good job in capturing. Yeah, and I I appreciate that about the movie, that it has its mysteries. There's there's the term of magic realism truly comes to fruition. And, you know, we're we're used to some movies like it, but I don't think anything mainstream to this level, because... Oftentimes you get the, the the main character or the other character of like, wait, is that real? Is it not real? Oh, it's only something I can see. But this, everyone truly saw. Uh, and the best part is no one needs to explain it. Well, you know, truer words right there because another movie that I was thinking about was A Wrinkle in Time. 
and they're explaining to us all about the, the, the wormholes and the time thing and how we get from A to B to C and how convoluted it was. And in this movie, they just walk through a tree. And it didn't matter. <laughs> it's, it's so like, simple. It's so simple, and I didn't question it at all. I didn't question that Pooh didn't end up at the old Sussex house, that he ended up exactly where Christopher Robin needed, needed to be. No explanation. I don't... It, it's fine. I, it's like, I get it. I get it. It was fine. It was... It was and, and again, when we talk simple, so simplistic. Well, and I didn't feel stupid. It was simple <laughs> because know? it was literally a door. It was a door. <laughs> that he's walking through. Like, through. okay, yeah. I'm just going to well, keep on going forward. No portals, just a door. <laughs> the door. Well, no I'll, special effects. It's, <laughs> right? it's, it's, it's part of... If you really break it down, it's part of the, the the true philosophy of like Winnie the Pooh or so many years of as a race, and I'm just talking man in general and woman, of course. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we try to explain everything. We have this inherent need, and yet if we stop, a lot of things in this world are quite magical, and we don't need to understand them. And that's. This is a physical representation of that type oh. of thing, and you know we, we always try to explain it, but we don't need to. And if you, if you just open your eyes, you can actually see some quite magical things happening in the, in the world every day. Sure, right. And I think that's part of the lesson that, again, for those silly old critics, oh. they're not taking in. They're just like, "What? That's stupid. How did how did he get there? No, that's so stupid. No, yeah. it's not." Don't know we're complicated. Harry Potter was more complicated in getting to different realms <laughs> and stories and lands than this was. Yeah, I mean... That's also a British film. Again, it's... In its simplicity lies its, as you call it, like, Taoism. Like, who cares? He just shows up because he's needed. And because he just walked forward instead of going back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I That's get it. to where I'm going. That's it. Also, not to like keep harping on this, but like A Wrinkle in Time had a character trait to the reason why, how you could you know, teleport. It was a character growth type of quality that was like once you have to let go, then you can go to wherever you need to be. And that was a character building aspect where this is like, no, just walk through the door and you'll get to where you want to go. But again, simplicity. It's, it's not as convoluted. It's not as convoluted, but I say a wrinkle in time. They could have simplified it so that it didn't need to be like, okay, we would have gotten it. With Pooh and, and Hundred Acre Woods, it, we just know that this is where Christopher Robin would go. I really do. I did enjoy, too, that we did see Christopher Robin as a young boy. And, you know, the symbolism of putting his childhood behind him because he was going to the boarding school and such. I really, those were touching moments in this movie uh, when he and Pooh are on the bridge and just are overlooking the meadow. These were the things uh, that I appreciated. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to, I say, I felt it took too much time away from Hundred Acre Woods and those characters. When those characters were in the movie, that's where I got all the warm and fuzzies the most, and I wanted that more. Well, let's start with the beginning, because what better place to start than the beginning? <laughs> it took its time in the way that it set up things. It's a lot longer than a traditional opening, and yet it told you everything that you needed to the point that eventually when he says, for me, when he says the line of, like, you know, our job as parents to Madeline is to prepare her for the world, that's that's the responsibility we'd have, he's missed everything, and you can tell because of his upbringing, uh, you know, no one prepared him for all the things that were supposed to come his way, losing his dad and going to the war and so forth, that he's working, you know, in direct reaction to that when that's not what he needs to be, and so... Um, you know that that needs to change it up, but because it is so heavy, not heavy-handed, but for lack of a better term, in the beginning we get that whole backstory. That's what sets it up. Right. Um, and I thought the technique was wonderful, but I want to get your guys' opinion. Right. I thought it was actually very effective in the three, four-minute montage that we got at the beginning. Also, nicely simultaneously combined with the opening credits because honestly, if they spent more time on it, it would have just taken away from the film. So I'm glad they had 
they knocked all that out in three minutes. Um, very easy to understand in a montage because it, it set up the idea of yeah, yeah, training them for you know adulthood, but like the harsh realities of what you have to go through, like death, um, growing up, getting a job, providing for a family, like all those. No one really teaches it to you. You have to just do it on your own, and it really set the the message that he. It's not like he forgot. His friends, uh, you know, the the whole gang is just he couldn't think about them because he had other priorities and focus his shift. So I understood that. Yeah, I, I thought that the, the the beginning, especially set up through the book, and it was chapters. And to, yeah, and the movie played that out as in chapters, uh, and it wasn't like a quick cut montage at all. It, it's as you say. They let the movie play out. The movie had this pace, and again, this is why I call it a breather, because there was no breakneck pace in this film. It was, it was, it was just you went along for the you went along for the the adventure, and I did like how they set up, you know, from Christopher Robin being a boy to teenager to adulthood the war everything that he everything that he had to face and in becoming an adult and, and this is where again it hits those beats like hook he forgot what his childhood was like and he was treating his daughter not as a child but as an adult and he had forgotten himself about the nicer times and that fun times that one can have with their imagination, um, and I think that's the journey. And I think the, the the bonding too with the daughter really was the you know that that was the hairpin that 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 really holds a lot of this movie together because he learns from the Tao of Pooh. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know it's it's almost like a Ferris Bueller's like if you don't stop and smell the roses, life goes by pretty fast. And this movie doesn't, and it makes you smell the roses. Well, I'm going to borrow a quote from two other movies this scene. We don't stop playing because we get old. We get old because we stop playing. Mm -hmm. I had to make sure. Pause to make sure I had that correct. But that's very true in Averro of this movie. He, he, He got old because he stopped playing. And now the joy at the end of the movie, that's what has returned to him. And he can be with with his daughter Madeline and, uh, you know, she's a very bright young person. So it's not like he's throwing away her education or anything of that nature. He's not compromising it, but but he's allowing to have these moments of just non-pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even the books that she wants to read are pretty. Uh, what was it? Treasure, uh, Island. Treasure Island. Like you know, today considered a classic. Uh, she reminded me of uh, the girl that plays uh, Matilda, and she was in that Miracle uh, at Thirty yeah. Fourth Street remake. Mm-hmm. Um, she reminded me of that little girl, Mara Wilson. That's it, Mara Wilson. Thank Good you. Job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I enjoy the little girl. Uh, I enjoyed Haley Atwell as. Uh, Christopher Robin's uh, wife. He, he, they were a good family dynamic, and you can see how the family was coming apart because he, because of work, because he had grown up, he had forgotten about his childhood. You know, I like the bedtime story. You know, it's like we're not going to read mm-hmm. Treasure Island. We're going to read uh, something manual about government. <laughs> Whatever that manual so, yeah. was, I'd be yeah. That would put me. She's like, yeah, okay, Dad. I've had enough. <laughs> but it also shows that his cute. character, yeah, he's providing for his family, but he was always <clears throat> choosing work over his family, yeah. and that's just a running theme in a lot of movies and television. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that and he also felt like he had no choice. It's not, you know, it's one thing if he had his own company and ran it and was like no you know I, this is what I must do but he, initially you could see the look on his face when he, he, he's very genuine he says like these people would do anything for the company and as would I and he's like okay great guess what you're staying for the weekend um, and it just it, it hurts him so much because he's like I, I want to be able to be there for like and you can tell that this is not the first time he's felt that feeling. And that's what makes it so difficult. Um, yeah, I absolutely loved uh, Winslow. He was just <laughs> despicable in the best of Woozle. ways. <laughs> woozle. <laughs> the woozle. The woozle. He does look like a woozle. He does look like a woozle. 
But he's also a Wuzel-ish. Just, just by the, you could tell from the moment he walks in that he's so insincere about everything. Like, oh, I want to be down here, you know, uh, up where the boring work. I don't want to be there. I want to be down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting my hands dirty. Um, well, I guess he did. Fire you all. <laughs> Right, he, and you can tell that he was just a character who got way more cre- credit for the work than he really puts into it. And right. you're like, okay, he, he's not to say the bad guy, but he's not like the cool guy. He's like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. Yeah, um, you can just you know shrug him off. Yeah. Um, but he did. <clears throat> it, it was a wonderful villain in that sense, and um, I, I want to kind of skip it to the end only because it feels natural to do so, and then we'll sort of backtrack, but. You know, one of the criticisms of the movie is that oh, the the solution that Christopher Robin came up with is absolutely ridiculous. Well, I don't know if this fully helps the argument, but um, the first American businessman to give his employees both Saturday and Sunday off from work was Henry Ford, and so he, and he did that so that way they would drive more. Yeah. So it's not an insane business strategy. No. <laughs> um. I mean, it, it works because you got to remember, like, the time period, I guess you sure. can say, in which this is taking place. Because they didn't really establish it in this movie, but it's clearly not really today, today. It's, it seems more old-fashioned, like the 60s, and, and Henry Ford was around in the 20s, and that's when, you know, the cars were. So it makes sense when Henry Ford did it, but also the, the same rules apply now. It's like, give them more time to actually use the suitcases, yeah. yeah. The only time you really use his suitcases is when you travel. So yeah. give them time to travel. And and I like I also appreciated that there was at least a reason why suitcases weren't selling. Mm-hmm. So who better than promote your product other than your own employees if you give them time off to go to the beach? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um I get it. You do so, you do things sort of kind of in reverse. Um you think outside the box, sort of, kind of like the way Winnie the Pooh would think about doing something. Yeah, and it, it, it was simple, mm-hmm. and that way people don't have to be fired. No. You know, they'll and they'll 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 work twice as hard at their jobs. Exactly, and th- that you know, if you really stop and think about it, the fact that his entire, let's say, proposal was just pages and pages. Who knows how many ultimately. But the fact that they all blew away but this one single page. And that's what it really comes down to. I know I keep harping on it, but this fact of simplicity. Everything he needed to explain was just on one sheet of paper. That it's, he had to turn upside down. Exactly. And, and that was it. You know, so, so he forced himself to do all this work and, and so forth. And ironically, um, this entire movie, is like his role is inefficiency. If you really stop and think about it, he is one of the most inefficient people in existence. Right. But it also shows that his character was overthinking things too much. He was overcomplicating it. And once he simplified it, that's where he got the answer. It's Occam's Razor. (laughs) Absolutely. So, uh, all right, let's let's head into the 100-acre wood. Um, You know, we we talked about the meeting of... uh, our two favorite characters, Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh. Um, but for a long time, we don't get the rest of the characters, um, you know, from the Hundred Acre Wood. I mean, it's it almost looks like Mordor there. <laughs> a little bit. When we first come back. Yeah, we have to, uh, yeah, when we first come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Mordor. It's foggy, almost rain. Like, there's a storm a-coming. Mm-hmm. And it all is because of Christopher Robin's state of mind, you know? And there's the symbolism right there. And all the friends are scattered and lost. And there's, it, it's more than just another blustery day in 100 Acre Woods. And the finding the friends, I think, is part of the, quote-unquote, well, the adventure. Expedition. The expedition. <laughs> and, Expedition. And, and it, but it's also... The first time in which Christopher Robin, <clears throat> the crack of his adulthood, going back to childhood, because this is where he squares off against the Heffalump. Mm-hmm. And that was a really fun, well put together scene that you and McGregor like carried off great. But I also loved it when we go back into like the tree and out going, 
oh, he's got him now. <laughs> like, within the simplicity of that all, lied funny comedy. And the kids that were in the theater that I was, that I had seen, they were loving this scene. It was well, great. I really, yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. I really liked this particular scene because fighting the Heffalump like served two purposes. One, it allowed Christopher Robbins to regain the trust of his older friends. And then two, it, it allowed Christopher Robbins to just have fun again. Like, use his imagination because he had to use his imagination to play with his friends. So it just makes sense that he had to let his guard down essentially, in order to play with his friends. I was going to bring it back to Hooks because it is very much like very Hook. Much, yeah. uh, it's, it's it's very apropos of the dinner scene when <clears throat> Peter, uh, he's like, they're like, eat! And he's like, eat what? There's nothing <laughs> what? here! There's nothing here. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he throws something. He's like, you're playing, Peter. You're right. <laughs> so it, 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 so it, it has that exact beat by beat as far as, you know, Still, alliances aren't fully realized, and so in order to prove it, he has to use his imagination. When he does, the the the, the bonds are. St- well, and let's not forget too. I think it's important to note that the characters don't recognize him. They don't. He says, "I'm Christopher Robin." Mm-hmm. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not Christopher Robin. And it's only when he acts, his inner child starts to crack through that. Co- Christopher Robin, <laughs> look, he's come back. Uh, and that too, the way that the scene plays out, I, I found it it was, it was touching, comedic, heartwarming, and it was. It, that's where this film goes from there. And you hope that you know he doesn't lose it. Well, yeah. you know, if you like the fact that who is the one he needs no remembering of of Christopher Robin. He recognizes him instantaneously. He's like, there you are. And he's like, how did you recognize me? You look the same. You're you. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, even that's apropos of um, the little child, I forget his name, in Hook, that's, that recognizes Peter. Of like, oh, there you are, Peter. Yeah. Um, and so it has that magical feel where, you know, it's just he's got to shed away the layers, but he's there somewhere, and he hasn't lost it. No. Um I good. like that scene uh, in England on the bench. He's like, poo? He's like, he hears the voice. And, it, and it's not a man who's going mad. And that scene, again, it just plays out, what are you doing here? You needed me, or I found you. Yeah, it just works. And hence begins our adventure. Mm-hmm. And when you, to, to stop and think about it, one of the, one of the great parts that it, really teaches us because the the problem is that Chris, Christopher Robin sees everything at this sort of face value of like there's no heffalumps like what's wrong with all of you guys or you know uh, you heard a noise and you guys are all scared of this noise when it's just sometimes easier just to go with the flow and just be like okay you know what if that's what you get then let me help you right um, and it's not to diminish the, the other characters of Tigger, Eeyore, and even Owl and Rabbit, who are supposed to be smart. Um, you know, but just like, okay, you know what? This is what they think, so let's just let's just solve the problem for mm-hmm. them. Rather than, you know, as he did before, which was, you know, one of the, I would say, lower points of the movie when he's yelling at Pooh. Because that strategy obviously didn't work. No. And nor does it oftentimes in life. When we try to overly... Um, what is it? Convince other people. Sometimes you got to play to them, right. to know your audience, and just mm-hmm. go along with it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what this teaches us. Well, and, and Jim Cummins himself, uh, in an interview, uh, you know, he he himself, he just basically says, "Well, I can tell you the story. It tells you just to slow down." You know, uh, he goes, "There's that old expression: stop and smell the roses." In the world, it's crazy. It's spinning thousand miles an hour. It's so easy to get caught up in the workaday world. Whatever you're doing, nine to five, the this, the that, hitting the rat race, and the rats always seem to win. It's just great. The poo and the gang. Who better to go out and bust out of the hundred acre woods and bring Christopher Robin back to Earth, about uh, and say, "Hold on, what about your daughter?" Uh, and that scene, too, is like, did she like red balloons? Did it make her happy? <laughs> you know? And again, it's the simplicity of it all. And and they that just seemed to be a theme as working on the film as well. Mm-hmm. You know? And it permeated. 
It permeated through their work. It came through uh, that silver screen grandly. Well, let's let's go into Tigger, and then let's, you know we can we can open it up to kind of Jim Cummings as as a, as a larger whole. Uh, you know, another way that this is exemplified is when when Tigger and them. <laughs> sort of bouncing in the in the suitcase, and they end up at the car with Christopher Robin and his wife. And he just says, "I don't know how I do it." I don't know because <laughs> it's true. Oh, I mean, man. he's just so it's braggadocious and yet so honest, right? Um, but anyway, very much to the character of Tigger. No, I thought very they much. they really showed the character of Tigger, like who we know and love. It was like bouncing fun, singing songs, and he even had his little <laughs> moment, um, especially how he played with the, the little girl and, and how he played with the wife, you know? So I, I really did like Tigger because he, he's the fun, positive one compared to Eeyore. But um, I, I, I think they did a great job of really uh, showing this character other, besides, you know, Pooh. Yeah, I mean, number one, I think, great realization of all the characters. Uh, Tigger was great. The only thing about Tigger and somebody, maybe I missed it, but there was no TTFN. Ta-ta for now. There was no, you know, which, which you know, is a classic, another classic Tiggerism, but at least I got to see him bouncing on his tail. And and he did his song. Like, what's a Tigger? Oh, no. no. <laughs> he sings this all Here the time. Here we go. <laughs> and, but... You know what, though, and I have to say, it was the the, the Tigger song, the 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 recurrence of the Winnie the Pooh theme. Even though it did not, it permeated throughout the story, but it was it didn't open up with the story, but it was there. Um, Winnie the Pooh's exercise routine, right? <laughs> All of these little things brought back memories. Going, oh yeah, it's like. It opened up, it reopened my imagination and my memories of what Winnie the Pooh was, much like Christopher Robin going through what he was happening. And those were the, that to me were the parts that were disarming to me. I was like, I remember the Tigger song. I remember him doing his exercises. And it was just so sweet, sentimental, and again, very simple. Well, for, for, from a story standpoint, I want to ask you guys. I want to ask this question of you. Um, there's there's certain people that have called this not a movie for kids. I want to get your perspective on it because I understand that it's about a middle aged person having a life crisis. But the way I look at it, number one, there's there's a lot of fun there, and if anything, the takeaway can be for kids that like, hey, mom, dad. Spend time with me. Like, when in doubt, you can always bring up this movie and be like, remember what Christopher Robin taught us? And so in that instance, I think it's 100% a family movie for both parents and the kids. Yeah, I think this movie has the the great message of you will get swept away in just the everyday work life if you don't stop to focus on your family and what's really important. Like, the the innocence of your daughter. She's growing up essentially without a father. Um, and she she's not she doesn't really have any friends. We don't see her social interacting with anybody. So it's like the, the father was getting away from the family. It's like focus on the things that are more important. I, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, listen. I, when I saw the movie, it was filled with families and it was filled with kids. Um, and as I said, I, I wish like there was a good dose of our Winnie the Pooh and friends. I wish there was more. The kids really gravitated to that a lot. And that's the humor that they gravitated to. Fighting the heffalump, uh, the woozles. Um, but there was another really funny scene that, that involved an adult. And it was the great forced perspective scene when Eeyore was on his back floating down. Well, mm-hmm. it looked like a river. And then Christopher Robin says, hold on, I'm going I'm to save you. And he jumps in and it only comes up to his shins. He's like... Oh yeah, I grew up. Well, the kids were just laughing, and when he was saying like the waterfall, the waterfall, <laughs> he just picked them up. I, those scenes really resonated a lot with kids from a from a humor perspective, as well as towards the end when they were in England in the car uh, and driving and seeing these characters come to life, and they got the message at the end. 
Uh, and so that to me, it, oh, and there was applause. The kids really enjoyed the movie. Um, so I really do think it's, it's it's very much a family film. And if these kids who grow up, if they have the opportunity to watch it again as an adult, it'll the movie will mean something else for them. And that's a sign of a solid, good movie. Right, and like the movie showed that these these this gang, you know, not just only interacted with kids, you know, young Christopher Robin and the daughter, but also with adults too. And it's it's more so don't forget who the people in your life are important to you. Right. You know. Don't forget them. Indeed. And that you know, I know we didn't get a lot of the characters initially, but um I do want to applaud Haley Atwell who played Evelyn. Uh, she was recommended this for this movie by Emma Thompson, um, because she worked with uh, Mark before on Stranger Than Fiction, and I thought she represented that rather well. Um, she challenges Christopher Robin and you know represents the ideas, um, but she's just unfortunately for Christopher not the right vehicle to to hammer them home. Right, and also I liked how eventually she was along for the ride too, literally right. <laughs> in the car. That she, like once she got introduced to, I keep calling them gang because they are really they are, are a gang. The hundred acre wood gang, Like when she was introduced to all of them, she was like, as an adult, had that you know reaction like, okay, talking animals. But she was eventually along for the adventure too, and I like that. She was along too because she also realized that this was part of her husband's past. And such a sweet past that it was something as if that she had just learned something brand new about the man that she'd been together with for a long time. And she just found, you know that they are now, like there won't be a farewell to Winnie the Pooh. They're part of this family now. And that's actually one of the things that I liked about this story because the whole family can now go to 100 Acre Woods. They were in 100 Acre Woods. At the end, yeah. I liked that aspect, like, a lot. I, I really enjoyed that because they did it as a family. Mm-hmm. So, Well, of course, and the friendship of Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh will live on forever. To that point, let's talk about Jim Cummings, because this is a man who is quite versatile, not only in this movie, but just movies in general. Right. Uh, This guy's done (laughs) so many things. He's done over 400 different characters in television and in film. He's been here in the studio, too. met him a few years ago. He's awesome. Uh, And he's just so talented because he can switch voices at the drop of a hat. That's, like, how professional and talented he is in the voice world. Uh, And... I didn't realize, because I watched this movie, you know, I enjoyed Pooh and Tigger for who they were, and then I didn't realize till the credits that he did the same voice for both of them, and Mm -hmm. he did such a good job of splitting the two and having completely distinct voices and personalities. I mean, that's a voice actor for you. Right. He's a talent like no other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, he's also done Aladdin, The Lion King, Ants. Shrek so much more. Yeah, I mean the the this look him up. You know, um, it's unfortunate. Like like when we talk about movies, especially animated movies nowadays, a lot of the actors are primarily, let's say Jimmy Kimmel or someone like that. Ellen DeGeneres when we did um, Dory and all that. Right, Mm -hmm. and not to diminish them, but when you have someone like this and who's really made it his life's passion to. Sort of be on screen without ever recognizing his face, right. you know. A, a, apart from unless you look him up, I think that's quite a phenomenal thing and, and craft and, and dedication to the craft that he's committed himself to. And it becomes the characters, and as you were saying, uh, Marissa, like switching from Winnie the Pooh, going right into Tigger, who doesn't exactly have a complete handle on the English language because he'll say, what exactly is going on here? So you have these words, it's a different cadence uh, and he's still genius at it and, and bringing the characters to life in such a way that if you grew up with these characters as I had <clears throat> there, put it this way, we've all watched cartoons on TV and if there's a beloved character that we're watching, uh, whether it's like, because this happens, like, say, on Scooby-Doo, if the voice changes, you immediately, you know. You, you know, you know somebody else is doing the voice. 
And you go, oh, wait, that doesn't sound like what I'm used to. But this guy, he nails it. This does sound like Winnie the Pooh. It sounds like the Tigger that I grew up watching, uh, even though I know it's not. Um, you know, he, 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 he took over for, I believe it was the, the original Winnie the Pooh, um, who was uh, Sterling Holloway. And he's been doing this since, like, the 80s now. And, and he does it for, I'm sure, like, the Disney attractions and whatever Pooh's there. And he, he just does such a great job uh, of doing it. And Tigger, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Does a really, hoppity, really... Hoppity, hoppity, hoppity. <laughs> um, so let's kind of shift gears into the production side, because <clears throat> overall, um, we've been touting their interactions, in particular Christopher and, of course, Pooh. But on the shooting overall, you usually get some sort of object, let's say, to react to. That really wasn't happening oftentimes, and, and Ewan McGregor really had to just truly make believe there were heffalumps and poos and yeah. tiggers everywhere. Oh, my. Play to air. <laughs> so that, that's a testament to Ewan's acting. But also, they so they did at least two passes. The first pass was blocking, because they did have actual, real life-size um, toy size of Pooh and all, all the characters. So they would black it with the, the actual toys and then they would do the second pass of taking away the, the objects and you and playing to where the character would be standing or would say the line and everything. So it, it, they did at least two passes. So he got some sense of what should be said or where to look at when he was acting. Yeah, and let us not forget he did play Obi-Wan Kenobi in you know the the prequels to Star Wars, which was a hell of a lot more digital effects. He's, he's not this. like he's not used to doing this. Um, what is crazy is that again they actually just seem like real teddy bears. Um, so to 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 learn of this that they didn't he wasn't interacting with a teddy bear, um, which would be better than a tennis ball, which in a lot of cases that's <laughs> yeah. what it's used for <laughs> line of sight. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's it, it just it's movie magic, and, and I loved how they aged the characters to an extent. Um, I liked how they made Pooh. I liked how they made all the characters look, but particularly Pooh's hands because he has the stuffed animal hands. They're curved. He doesn't have digits, so when he picks up his his honey pot, he's not picking it up with hands or claw or bear claws. Oh bother. <laughs> oh bother. <laughs> he's picking it up with stuffed animal arms. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm glad they kept to that. And they you know they they, they again they just kept it simple. They didn't they did have to over-animate. And it plays to the humor. They were able to not only just say, okay, we're just, this is how we're gonna do it, but we're going to now use it as an advantage. Um, it, it, one of the funniest moments to me and, and my audience was uh, when he's like, oh, the floor is so sticky. Yeah, <laughs> 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 he's walking in the honey. I love that because yet it was so funny, but also true to the Winnie character because Winnie is clumsy. He's always falling or always getting stuck or always making a mess out of the 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 honey. And I loved how they showed that. Like, yeah, that that is what Pooh would do. Yeah, what's the quote about like my head? I, I've got like Which I'm one not is it from the movie or just in general. No, from the movie, I'm not particularly bright. I forget the exact oh, quote, right, right, right. but but you know um, yeah, when the um, not the megaphone, but um, the the speaker of right. the old school CD player. <laughs> right, the megaphone, yeah, yeah the, the Victrola kind of the Victrola, yeah, Piglet. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, that's how I loved how you know we right down to the detail of having um, Eeyore's tail always falling off. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what is this? Some kind of award? <laughs> what is this? A hundred percent. It was shot uh, as far as Hundred Acre Wood. It was shot mm-hmm. down in Ashwood Forest or Ashdown Forest. My apologies. Uh, and the recreation of the bridge, the very, very iconic at this point bridge that they built. That and uh, everything looked very, very picturesque. 
Right. Absolutely. And the weather actually played very well with them because you we've done so many movies where they talked about the weather wasn't cooperating, but for this they actually did. Um, on the days where they needed it to be foggy and cloudy, it was. That's right. London for you. And then on the days they needed a nice sunset, they got their beautiful sunset. And even Mark Forrester was like, we were really lucky with the timing of all, all the days because right. he's like we some productions would wait a week for a perfect sunset we got it in a day so right so the weather really helped for them and it, it looked gorgeous hundred acre wood looked gorge, gorgeous once we got the the sun involved the fogs were gone it was sunny it was colorful it's it's where kids would play it's a great place to visit you know especially when you have that gang there uh it really was and it and it, and it 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 was familiar yet different. It wasn't the, for lack of better words, I'm just going to call it the real world. Mm-hmm. So here we are in, in this somewhat lush, this colorful with these characters, uh, each representing something different, and where you can have adventures and fight heffalumps and woozles. And then if you can go back to the real world, it does look different, and I really appreciate it what the characters thought of the real world. Like, not knowing what a reflection is. <laughs> tigger. <laughs> it's another tigger. I'm the only one. What's that? Like, that was really, it's like a puppy who sees a reflection for the first time. It's like, no, what is this? <laughs> so I, I appreciated the dichotomy between the two. Um, and, and again, with the live action of it all, it was really de- depicted well. Like, they didn't have to go overboard. It kept it simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it made you want to, you know, especially in today's day and age, it made you want to sort of go back to nature and things things like that. There, there's actually um, a term called forest bathing that sort of by doing it, it's literally, it's another, I always heighten it, call it like just a heightened version of hiking. But it really is, you know, that's why they say like, you know, if you're feeling depressed or something like that, go to nature because it can be rejuvenated. Rejuvenating. Yes, there you go. (laughs) Uh, In that sense, and the fact that that played very true to this story, and that's that's what Christopher Robin needed to regain his childhood innocence and his spirit of fun and and really love from both this family and, and, and of course, our gang, Um, I I think it's no coincidence. Yeah. And and I absolutely appreciate that, especially in today's day and age. Yeah. The farther he got away from work, the more he be, he could become himself. Himself. You know, so- we talk about simplicity for a second. So I was looking at quotes because I was trying to find the quote that I was looking for. So it doesn't get as much simpler as this as far as explanation. And this is the scene where, where Winnie the Pooh first shows up uh, in, in England. And Christopher Robin's like, the tree, I remember, was in the countryside, not here in London. And he's like, there's no opening. And Winnie the Pooh's like, I suppose it's where it needs to be. He goes, well, that's a silly explanation. And Winnie the Pooh's answer to that, why, thank you. <laughs> All you need to know right there. Well, thank and you, you just accept it. And you go, like, yep, that's a silly explanation. Right. Why, thank you. <laughs> you know, and I, I want to go back to Marissa's point about how the weather just cooperated with them. I actually think it, this is my belief. Okay, but I actually think it cooperated less with them, and they just more so took advantage of what was. So if okay. it was a foggy day, let's shoot some fog. If it's a sunny day, let's shoot some sunny stuff. So rather than just be upset of like, crap, we want to shoot a sunny scene, but it's foggy. It's like, oh, okay, let's shoot the foggy stuff. I, I can't 100% verify it. I just have this feeling that uh, that that could have played much more into no. it than just the weather fully cooperating. I think yeah. it's a combination of the two. Right. I can believe that, too. Um, you know, going back to this idea of, of the characters, um, you know, we, we talked about the uh, Tigger sort of being rambunctious. Well, believe it or not... They say he was the easiest to create <laughs> as opposed to Eeyore. And I would have thought the opposite because, you know, to me, motion seems a little bit complicated versus right. non-motion. Mm-hmm. But it's, as far as Eeyore, the fact that he did have so much fur and this and that. Um, right. 
that actually took more because you can deceive much like in magic it's easier to deceive with motion sure mm-hmm. the, 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 the hand is quicker than the eye my friends <laughs> so I, I guess you know it, yeah it worked out and uh, the, the characters you least expected to be hard were the hardest yeah, I mean, I, I'm surprised about that, too, because getting Tigger to bounce in his tail the way that we're used to, uh, all his mannerisms, he doesn't sit still. Um, you know, I guess maybe Eeyore floating in the water. I still love that on his back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, here it comes. <laughs> yeah, I would say that Eeyore, I would have uh, I would have said it was the exact opposite. But yeah. I guess because Eeyore is, let's slow you have to be more careful on detail mm-hmm. uh, particularly his tail mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Marissa I want you to talk mm-hmm. about the sweater <laughs> the silly old sweater yeah so the the poo sweater they actually had to hire uh, the costume designer Jennifer Williams actually had to knit this red sweater but it had to be the exact certain red color shade to so it would translate well on on film and camera and uh once they did that they had that on the on the stuffed poo and that's what they would use for the pass the first pass in the filming and then they would take that out and do the camera pass without but they would take the actual motion of the the toy and then animate to that right. of the exact movements. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had to get the the sweater on the actual poo so they could animate the sweater properly and how it moves and how it folds with the motion of poo. You wouldn't think it, but those are details that are put into just one piece of clothing. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. give them a lot of credit. They they wrapped early November of last year. Uh, and that's incredible that they can accomplish, if you really think about it, it's a pretty fast turnaround for what I would argue is a sort of visually complex movie as far as right. digital graphics go. So I, I don't know. I'm just amazed at how fast they were able to pull it off. Yeah, and I was, I'm, I'm amazed at the, there was a physical aspect to the nature of these characters. And they didn't, to me, appear... CG, nor did they appear animatronic. Um, quite honestly, I didn't know how it was quite done, but when a character could pick them up, like it, it led to that tangibility that, to me, I wasn't thinking they were picking up something animated, or they were pretending to pick it up. Uh, I also like, again, the simplicity of the button eyes. It wasn't like they blinked or anything. It was like nap poo, and he just went <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> and I was like, that's really cute. It just works, you know. So pretend like you're uh, resting. <laughs> pretend like you're resting. Yeah. yeah. And, but again, their realization wasn't cheated. I didn't think I, I, I believe that there are real stuffed animals that they were playing with, hmm? picking up, holding in the backseat of a car. I agree. I liked how they were aged. You can tell that yeah. these were toys that were played with. Like, right. their furs weren't perfectly, you know, coiffed and brushed and stuff. Like, these were actual toys that kids played with, and they, they got ragged, mm-hmm. they got worn down. And not to the point where it bothered me. It just looked more real. Yeah. 100%. They aged with Christopher Robin. Mm-hmm. They did indeed. One of my favorite parts about the movie was the music. Yeah. That opening number, the the the, the piano bit, uh-huh. uh, I I think that's just one of the mo- more delightful. Even though it's not necessarily like really fast tempo, I I really enjoyed the upbeatness and the spirit it brought and joy. Um, I, yeah, I can't I can't say enough good things about this. I love the music. Um, Johan Johansson was actually first slated to do the music before his unfortunate untimely mm-hmm. death but they had uh, John Brion and Jeff Zanelli come into play and I liked how you can hear the, the iconic Winnie the Pooh score kind of undertone underneath in some motion. Certain scenes. Yes, like someone's it, like you can hear it like <clears throat> Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. I was like singing along in my head um, but also Tigger's had his moment with his music and it it felt like a simple orchestral score Right. That really enhanced just this simple story. Yep, indeed. Well, and I want to talk about too. Um, there, there, there's a mid-credit scene uh, 
in this movie that ties into the ending, which we were talking about, is like, give your employees vacation, let them take, and they're going to be using Winslow bags, you know, the luggage. So the, the mid credit sequences is sort of funny because we get to see um, the, 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 the mid credit sequence shows Winslow employees on vacation at the beach and dancing while a p- piano player performs a tune, Busy Doing Nothing. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. of course, the piano player is Richard M. Sherman, uh, a longtime historical Disney uh, songwriter. So I just really, again, it was, oh, and actually one of the posters with Pooh and the Gang in lounge chairs at the beach was actually attributed to this mid, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, this mid-credit scene. So it was a nice button, and it really wraps everything up to Disney history. Mm-hmm. And it does it nicely. Really well done. And I, I did not, unfortunately, get the... I didn't stay. <clears throat> sad to say, but 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 I am remiss, and I'll try to I'll try to sneak in yeah. when I'm at another movie just to pop in my head in real fast. It's a, it's a cute scene because you you're not really expecting it. No, not and, in this kind of a movie. And to have a song about nothing when we had the iconic line like oh, I do you know I do whatever nothing. it is I do nothing. Nothing leads to, s- nothing leads to something, right. and so it's it's very tongue-in-cheek and um, meta in that sense. And Sherman did write uh, the, the score to the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh in 1977, and he wrote Busy Doing Nothing, as well as you know, as well as Christopher Robin, which plays over the rest of the credits. So, it, it's it's nice to recognize well, it's, it's Disney history, but it's Winnie the Pooh history as well. Mm-hmm. So, Speaking of history, here's a fun little fact. Uh, our own Maria Menounos, uh, interviewed Pooh in promotion of this movie for NCM's Newbie pre-show, and I actually was was behind the scenes of all of this. So really, I got to I got to be there uh, and see Maria in action. Interview Winnie the Pooh. Now uh, you have to see it before. You know this was in theaters promoting the movie. Yep. Um, I'll try to figure out if and where it would be available to watch now because I think it's a fun little interview. It should be on either NCM or movie or someplace on YouTube. Something. I'll how is it? it out how for is you. it? Well, you were there behind the scenes. How is it filmed? Yeah. Tell us. I'm giving away the magic. Wow, we well, we'll smoke the mirrors. We, yeah, we'll, you what, can you, imagine we just, real there. <laughs> oh, you know, look at that! Here we go. Here's the interview. And we're giving her a second. <laughs> we'll give her a second. Uh, and so, it, what did it, you find the most exciting aspect of? Like, how would how did this play out? Was she talking to a tennis ball? Uh, she was talking to nobody. nobody. Talking to a green screen or just Ta- talking air? To, talking to a complete green screen, ergo air. Nice. <laughs> so, but uh, here we go. Here's here's Maria interviewing. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me here. So, how much fun did you have making this movie? Well, I was allowed to do my own stunts. <laughs> oh, hello. Sometimes, <laughs> even on purpose. So, what will surprise audiences about this film? Oh, there are tons of surprises. <laughs> You're back. <laughs> oh, Pooh, I love your laugh. <laughs> I love your laugh, too. <laughs> are you anything like your character? Like who? Like me? What was the question again? <laughs> I was thinking about lunch. Do not worry about it. I think you answered the question. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you again, Maria. My friends should be quite jealous. Mine, too. I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I've been. Do you? That's the way I do it. That's awesome. I've got a rumbly in my tumbly. (laughs) (laughs) And they had those poolisms, too. That's why, how do you not have Tata for now at TTFN? There's just so much. You can't fit everything, you know? I think, again... Four letters. He got his song. I'm okay with that. Yeah, he got his song. He got his cake. That's what tickers like best. (laughs) So, uh, speaking of... uh, Let's... Let's go to a place called China, who has now banned uh, the second Disney film of the year. Oh, which is so unfortunate, because honestly, for international numbers, China brings the most numbers for obvious, obvious reasons. And I think it's just unfortunate, because it's it's banned for something as simple as Winnie the Pooh is a harmless character, but 
they they actually liken Winnie the Pooh to the president, and any correlation between Winnie the Pooh and the president is just like a no no in China. So that's why they banned it. Yeah, I believe. Uh, um, yeah, I believe this was on uh, last week tonight um, as, as well, where they talked about. Yeah, they, they they liken him to Winnie the Pooh. He's such—I mean, Pooh is such a subversive, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, and John Oliver had even made fun of the fact that Winnie the Pooh—that they likened the, the president to Winnie the Pooh. It, again, it does make you appreciate where we are, you know, because if a country is going to ban this simplistic story, which isn't subver- sub- subversive in the least. Your mic's on, Juliet. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving on. Continue, Dimitri. So, yeah, I mean, the movie itself isn't subversive, but if a president of a country can ban a movie because people use an image to make fun of said president, it makes you fortunate. You know, we are where we are that we can watch this, and if somebody doesn't like it, they can't right now take it away from us from watching it. Like it, it really is a shame, and uh, ironically, the movie we've been talking about a lot already, uh, *Wrinkle in Time*. You know, that was the first movie that was banned in China this year. Mm-hmm. So interesting how they're both Disney movies, and, and movies uh, like *Maleficent* and *Cinderella*, which did open up there, opened up to really big, really big, big numbers. Mm-hmm. So, so. It, it is a shame, and it's unfortunate, but uh, I, I don't think that detracts anything from it so far um you know the numbers that marissa has provided for us uh domestic 35 million give or take mm-hmm. um you know uh overall 40 million give or take so getting there yeah i mean it opened up number two uh mm-hmm. which isn't overly surprising uh mm-hmm. being that it, it followed it was coming mission in the impossible. second week of mission impossible um so it doesn't have the budget of Mission Impossible. I believe the budget here was about $75 million. So we're looking at at least 150 to maybe $170 for, for marketing and sending out all the hard drives. But yeah, it you know it's you know the interesting thing is is that even foreign compared to other movies we've seen this summer. Uh, it's a low figure. It's $5 million. Could that be in part because China's not there or they just haven't released it fully in a lot of other foreign territories? It'll be interesting to see how it plays out when it goes wider, uh, worldwide, let's just say. Um, $35 million thus far is not bad, um, but it's not what you typically expect from a live-action uh, Disney it's movie. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily call it a loss yet or I mean because we're still looking at some some positive reviews and, and people it's gotten an A on CinemaScore people are hung. gravitating to it and I think it's going to continue um, we don't have anything out in the marketplace right now and we won't for kids. for kids no so I mean yeah maybe <clears throat> dog days but that's more of a rom-com right Marissa it is alright so yeah <laughs> it is not it's called the younger adults you can say not definitely not for kids though no so uh, yeah I wonder if this movie opened up big in the UK cause I mean Winnie the Pooh and the origin is big it started in the UK so I imagine the UK numbers would be big um, or bigger I think I think it'll pick up in the in the coming weeks as far as that's all concerned, uh, you, you know, international and whatnot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it is the last, in a sense, family film of the summer. Uh, I mean, at least here in in Southern California, uh, a lot of schools uh, they're going to be back starting next week, uh, and that is going to continue all the way through Labor Day. So, you know, it, it really is, if you're taking, uh, for, you're looking for the family film, this is the only film that's going to be there uh, until school starts again. Yeah, we're closing out summer, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Even here at uh, Popcorn Talk, especially in anime movie, we've, we've gone through a lot of summer blockbusters. We've got, uh, <clears throat> I would argue, like, one more left in the Meg, and then everything else, you know, summer's over. I mean, yeah, it's, it's been crazy. Yeah. So, so far, like this is a it. heavy. <laughs> this is a very heavy release 
like yeah you're right uh you know summer as far as yet you know, all the movies that have come out both large and small uh it was a very jam-packed summer absolutely you know, a very jam-packed year when you think about it and it was good to get this little bit of respite wasn't it all right, that about does it for us today with Winnie the Pooh. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, if there's other stuff that you would like to talk about with us, by all means, that's why we have the comments section. We can talk about this movie for years and years to come. Uh, you know, time is not important. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, in the meantime, where can people interact with you guys more directly? Everyone can follow me everywhere at Serafini TV. And Dimitri? Oh, you can support me on Twitter at DMovies1701. I've also been on uh, Popcorn Talk Network's Meet the Movie Press, where we talk about anything and everything about the movie biz, movies, and the business itself. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, you can find me there. Here, still here on the Popcorn Talk Network. All in the family. All in the family, absolutely. Well, thank you guys. Uh, I'm at Phil Svitek. You can follow me there. Uh, and, of course, we've got other movies uh, from the past you can check out. And we've got movies coming up. We will be doing The Meg next week. Today we're doing Sorry to Bother You. And lots of other, other movies coming up. So stay tuned for those. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.